Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Welcome to Live with Doug as we continue to think through God's Word together. Glad you're with us. Good morning, Alan and Ron and Mike and the rest of you. Hope you had a very, very Merry Christmas and looking forward to a Happy New Year. Uh, so we're continuing our discussion regarding the church, and today we're going to have some fun. See how many trolls we pull out. <laughs> Not uh, too many for the live broadcast, I would imagine, because it's just the right time of week to be, or right time of the year, rather, to be talking about uh, this kind of controversial subject. But somebody will search the uh, the title, and, and I'll get some wacky comments down the road. Anyway, hey, Hugo, good to have you with us. Uh, before we get into the study, I want to remind you, uh, a week from yesterday, right? Today's Tuesday. A week from yesterday, we start up our next New Covenant School of Theology course. It's Church History 2. We're going to dig deep into Roman Catholicism and Anglicanism and Lutheranism and Presbyterianism, all the Reformed groups, and Wesleyanism and all the, all the isms that came out of the Reformation up through today and what's going on. So if you are interested in taking that course, you can sign up uh, now at newcovenantschooloftheology.org. If you're a new student, uh, go to apply, send us a, a brief application there, fill it out, and uh, we'll get back to you right away. Anyway, we'd love to have you join us. It's, uh, it's always a very informative class, this uh, um, uh, Church History too. Hugo says he's in for the course. Excellent. I haven't seen your uh, registration come through, so I'll, I will look for that. All right, so we are talking about the church, and we're in uh, 1 Timothy, and I just want to say on the front end, uh, especially on a passage like this, we're not going to go into every nuance and spend weeks here. That's not the plan. I, I'm, I've got a larger context for this discussion, and that's to really focus on what we should be doing and thinking about as the church. Uh, we just happen to—I'm using First Timothy as uh, one way to talk about this because Paul tells us he's writing to Timothy to inform him of how we should behave as the church. And if you've been with us for a while, you know I'm trying to get away from, I'm trying to help Christians get away from a meeting place and a meeting. That's not the church. There's not a building that you go to that is the church, not according to the Bible at least. And there's not an event that happens on Sunday mornings from like 10 to 11.15 or whatever that has a call to worship and a benediction in the front and back. That None of that's in the Bible. The church is about the people of God doing what he's called us to do. And so I'm trying to show you that, and, and we're using 1 Timothy as uh, as gathering that instruction that Paul gave to Timothy. This is how I want people to be, behave uh, in the church, in the household of God, not in the building, but as the people. So that's where we're at, and uh, we were, we got into some, some fun uh, territory last week, and we're going to continue with this fun territory. So to recap, here's what uh, here's what chapter two verse nine says. Likewise, which whenever you see a word like likewise, you need to go back and check out what he just said because this ties into there's something similar, right? That's what likewise would indicate. There's a similarity with what he just said and what he's now going to say. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing modestly, discreetly, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments, rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. Now, we talked about that last week, so I'm not going to go back over it, but I uh, if uh, I don't know if Lana's with us this morning, but uh, he made a comment on, I think it was Thursday's video, that is worth your time to go look at, and he makes a good point. 
and basically for our purposes the 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 summary is uh, you know why would we restrict this why is why would Paul restrict this to the gathering of the church uh, but isn't he rather making a a general statement that in the household of God meaning Christian women everywhere uh, they should want to be recognized uh, for their good works as opposed to their flamboyant dress and that kind of thing. Great question. And he may be right. He may, he may be, uh, that, that's a really, really great question worthy of, of dialogue. And by the way, this is exactly the kind of dialogue that we ought to be having as Christians. Do you have the opportunity with your church leaders to have this discussion? It, it, it seems rare to me. And I think it has cost us as the church to not be able to dialogue about this. And, and the, the traditional model of someone standing up and lecturing for you know, 40 minutes in a sermon or uh, close to an hour in Sunday school or whatever uh, just doesn't lend itself to this kind of dialogue where we can jump in together and, and wrestle through this together. So I appreciate the, the pushback and the, the question. And again, it is worth our time to, to ponder that, uh, especially you in your, uh, in, in your local church. So it's a good question. Uh, so again, the question is, is this simply for the church gathered, which I may have made that point too strong. I, don't, I, I think there's a principle here that applies. So I would, I would agree with Lon on this. It does seem to me like the emphasis here is on uh, the church gathering, but I could be wrong about that. If that's true, so you following me? Are you following? So Lon's pushback is this is a a general, and I think, and Lon, correct me in the comments if I uh, mischaracterizing you, but I think the question is: is this uh, this instruction for women to not be known, not adorn themselves with the uh, the extravagance? but rather uh, by godliness and good works, is that in any way tied to the gathering of the church or is this a general instruction for women? If it's true that this is more general and not just for the gathered church, and again, I'm saying Lon may be right. If that's true, then the next couple of verses is also true for women at large and not just at the gathering. Here's the next phrase or two. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. So, Lon, I'm going to ask you the question, and this is not an argument. It is, it's a question. It really is. It's worth wrestling through. If the whole thing here is a broader principle for women, then Paul goes on here to say that women uh, are not allowed to teach or have authority over men. If that's broader than just the church gathered, then think about the implications of that. Hugo says, probable for the church gathering, but may have implications for the general. So if that's true of this text, think about what that means for college professors uh, possibly high school teachers, depending on, you know, what we think about when a boy becomes a man. I think most people would agree it's f- okay for a woman to teach a boy. Uh, 
but what about man? Yeah, Peter uh, raises a question. We'll come back to that in a second because I know you mentioned that in a comment uh, earlier. So let me, we'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, just think of the implications of this. I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. If this uh, whole context here is broader than the church gathering, uh, then we have quite a lot of change to do all over the place. Can you imagine today? Can you imagine your church? And maybe, maybe you can. But can you imagine in your church someone uh, telling a pastor, a, a, an elder telling the women in the congregation that Paul here is saying, not only can you not be a leader in the church, but if you are in authority over men in your workplace, uh, you are in violation of this text. Now we may, again, my, my point here is not to fight too much about what the text means. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but the first question we have to ask as we come to this is, Am I willing to submit to the word of God no matter what it says? Right, We're already forming our opinions on what it says. And if you go teach this in a broader context, you're going to get pushback and fights and all kinds of things, which, you know, that's just what we do. But the first question that has to be asked is, am I willing to submit myself to it? Are women who are watching this, are you willing to submit to the word of God no matter what it says? This is an apostle sent with the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what an apostle is. It is someone who has the authority of the sender. Well, Jesus is the one who called Paul and sent him to do what Paul did. So when he spoke, when he wrote, when he went into town and preached the gospel and started a church and all that, he was doing so as a person, a man with the authority of Jesus Christ in those instances. We have to be willing to submit to what the Word of God says. And if we already start forming our opinions against it, we need to ask ourselves, why? Get what I'm saying? Hi, I see some comments coming in already. Um, so let me, uh, let me address Peter's question. And again, it comes back to context. So his, his question is, could this be about wives versus women? And grammatically it is certainly possible because the word wife and the word woman are the same word in the greek uh, we have two different words in english wife is uh has a specific definition right it's a woman who's married um where woman is not speaking about marital status in the greek the same word is uh, applies to both so you can anywhere you see the word wife in the New Test, Testament, uh, it it it's not like the English word wife. It's because the translators assume by context is talking about wives as opposed to just women in general. Does that make sense? So in the Greek, there's no distinction. It could be women, could be wives. Either of those is is appropriate uh, translation of the term. What does the context say? And again, I would say uh, to Peter, the context here, if if this is true, if this is uh, talking about wives instead of women in general, then verse 8 would be talking about husbands 
and not men in general. So he'd be saying, I want the husbands in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. And I want wives to adorn themselves this way. And a wife must quietly receive instruction. I do not allow a wife to teach or have authority over a husband, but to remain quiet. And then he goes on to the justification, which we'll talk about. Uh, it's, It's certainly possible grammatically. The question is, in my mind, is why would he be singling out husbands and wives? Why why single out husbands here and how they should pray uh, and, and why single out wives? So it is, it's possible. I don't know how we would uh, prove one way or the other. Um, so anyway, I just want to acknowledge that it's certainly possible, but also say it raises questions for me uh, what would it mean that it's okay for unmarried women to behave, uh, without modesty and discreetness? Uh, now again, you, I don't, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be foolish about this. Um, it could be especially in light of what we talked about last week with the uh, the Roman wives, Roman widows concept that this new Roman woman that was throwing off all restraint and wives in particular were doing it. It 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 could be that he's just drawing attention there and not intending to say it's okay for single women to to do whatever they want to. Um, it does raise the question then for me here uh, if this if verse eleven a uh, a woman must quietly receive instruction. With entire submissiveness, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. If that's talking about wives in particular, then that would seem to imply that single women can teach and have authority over men. Uh, at least it leaves the door open for that. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to treat this as women in general. Um, I would want to see a a stronger presentation of an argument of why the context here would say this is wives rather than just women because i don't see anything in the context that would push me that direction so for what it's worth so i'm going to treat it as women in general all right so he's he's talking and lon i see you have a response it's like um yeah maybe you on Facebook, I don't think can see Lon's comment. I, I don't know, brother. I don't see. I, I think to say this is a, a greater law kind of thing. Again, it's it's going beyond the context, and that we always have to be careful with that. All right. So the instruction is wives or women. <laughs> just said I wasn't going to do that. Women uh, adorn yourself this way, and then he says a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Now, I'm just going to tell you out of the gate, it doesn't seem to me that there's a whole lot of ambiguity here on the command. The statement is, a woman is to learn. That's the, the actual imperative here is to learn. A woman is to learn. So that's a good thing. Right? Women, learn. Uh, which Again, Lon, I'll come back to you. It sounds like the context here is in uh, the gathering, not women in general. But could be wrong because because the command is learn. 
receive instruction. But then he explains how a woman is to do that. I see that Peter has a comment. Was it not the case that both Aquinas and Priscilla taught uh, Paulus, women in Corinth were allowed to prophesy in the congregation? Yep, that's true. So we have to figure out what's unique uh, about about these situations. What What's the context? Again, um, it's easy for us to go pile up verses and become systematic theologians here. And there's a place to to, to compare them. But before we do that, you need to have a solid understanding of this text and then go uh, and see if where this conflict. Um, so, uh, Lon, do you see why it seems strange here if it, it, that Paul would be giving this command, women in general, wherever you are, learn with entire submissiveness? Seems more likely he's talking about something more like the church gathering to me. All right, so I, I just wanted to emphasize, make sure we understand that, you know, this is this is a, a command to women to learn, but here's how they are to do it. And it says, uh, quietly. Now, maybe this is what Peter's getting at. Does that mean a woman can never say anything in the gathering? And again, Peter's already, already drawn out that in 1 Corinthians, uh, it talks about women prophesying. And I'm not sure women can prophesy without talking. <laughs> Right, it's sort of a, in, implied, inherent in the uh, in the act itself is talking, uh, so it doesn't seem like wives women are never allowed to say anything. Now, First Corinthians fourteen does come back and say women are to be silent. Again, we're not in First Corinthians. We'll maybe we'll go there someday. Um, we gotta we gotta deal with that passage. But right now we're here, so the instruction is woman. Receive instruction, be taught, but do it quietly. Now, this word quietly, the way it comes across in English, certainly seems to imply keep your mouth shut. Right? When my kids were little and I said, be quiet, what did I mean? <laughs> Talk all you want to, keep talking? No, I meant stop talking. That's what it sounds like. Or I guess you could use your inside voices <laughs> so maybe the women receive instruction with inside voices <laughs> maybe the same word is used in second uh, thessalonians 3 referring to men all right let me show you this uh, he said, paul's telling men to work uh, he says when we were with you when we apostles were with you in thessalonica we used to give you this this order if anyone is not willing to work then he is not to eat either. Okay, so that's the that's the context. Men, work. If you don't work, you don't get to eat. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. This is a great passage for men. We may come back to this on uh, Friday with the fellows this Friday. We'll see. Anyway, now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Same word. Same word as women receiving instruction quietly or with quietness. Is Paul saying, men, you have to get a job here that doesn't allow you to talk? No, there's a, there's a spirit. There's, a, there's an attitude. There's a humility that he's getting at here. Do you see that? Uh, he's telling men, Get get a job, work, 
in quiet fashion, not the disruptor. Not the, not the chaotic, causing turmoil kind of thing. Get a job. It's, it's, it's a restful, it, it, it's be at peace almost. Be at, be at rest kind of idea. Are you tracking with me? That's the same word here. He's not talking about actual words coming out of somebody's mouth. There's an attitude of respect, of, of propriety, uh, Ron says, of humility. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. That's the same word he uses here with women. A woman must receive instruction quietly, which makes perfect sense in the context of this. If, again, if you were with us last week, uh, if, if I'm right about the, the cultural situation where women were following these, uh, what we'll call celebrities, this, this reaction resistance, this, um, uh, this wild woman throwing off all restraint, uh, throwing off all tradition, and women saying, you know, we can be just like the men and, and we can do whatever we want to. And that came out in how they dressed and their sexual sin and all of this. If that's what was going on in the culture, for my money, it makes perfect sense that Paul is saying to women, don't be like them. Dress with more propriety and especially be known not for your dress, but for your good works. And don't be a disruptor in the church gathering. Be humble, quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Show that you are submitting to the authorities over you which he's going to go on in chapter three and say are the elders or the overseers is the word he uses there. If, if this is all, if this is accurate, then the point is not about a woman never being able to say anything when the church is gathering, but they should always check their attitude and submit to the authority because the culture was telling them throw off all authority which is exactly what we have in the, in the world today, here in the West. It's exactly what we have. Women are pushing every boundary. They're being encouraged to in the government schools and so often in the churches. You can do anything you want. You have no restraints. Any, anybody who says you're to submit to a man in any way is a misogynist. They're a bigot. They're pressing women, so on and so on and so on. And that spills over to the church and they throw off all restraint and say, no, we're going to be all that we want to be. And we're not going to be quiet and, and gentle in spirit. And we're not going to place ourselves under the authority of men. We're going to cast off all of that. That's exactly where we're at today. And I think Paul would write the same thing to women today. Don't be known for your outward appearance. Be known for godliness and receive instruction, be taught in the church and submit to the authorities over you, which would be the elders. Now, men need to submit to the elders too. That's taught in the New Testament, but here he's talking to women. So it seems like he's saying uh, in, this, in this broader context, men, when you come together, pray, lift up holy hands and don't fight one another. Be at peace. And women, 
don't dress provocatively in the, in the in a flamboyantly in that kind of way. Show yourself with good works and receive instruction from those in authority over you. Uh, the question is why? Why does it call women to do this? And I see our time is up, so we'll have to come back to this. But I want you to show, I'm just going to tip my hand here. Look at verse 13. For, for explanation for what he just said, Adam was created first, then Eve. So if you're going to argue with me about this, you got to argue from the scripture, not from your own thoughts. All right, I see a bunch of comments here. Let me, uh, let me take a quick look and see if I want to address any of uh, these. Lon says, why should gathering rules for women be differentiated from general behavior? Well, that's a good question. Um, there seems to be some of that in 1 Corinthians 11 regarding the, the Lord's Supper. Uh, so, good question. I don't know. Let me think about that and see if I want to take time to dive into it. What I, want, what I don't want to do is get so distracted about this issue uh, from our overall purpose. But again, that might fit our overall purpose. So let, me, let me ponder that and see if, uh, if I want to spend time on that coming back tomorrow or whatever. Hugo says, the situation with Aquinas and Priscilla is a narrative, only should be used as doctrine if there are no texts available teaching on the subject. Um, yes, uh, I agree. And I think that's probably directed back to Peter. Um, Yes, it's not prescriptive if it's a narrative, um, but it does raise the question, what was Priscilla doing? And is that a violation of the, uh, the prescription here in 1 Timothy? I don't think so. Again, if this is church gathered as opposed to uh, husband, my wife, for instance, uh, you know, when, when we meet with uh, couples or whatever, she, she has great wisdom to share. And, and uh, we've all known women that, you know, have uh, a lot of knowledge that are, they're able to communicate. My daughters, they do this all the time. They, they're very informed. I've, I've raised them and taught them all my life, all their lives in my household, but their attitude and their demeanor, their disposition, when they're talking to men, even if it's just a, you know, a guy hanging out and having dinner with us and we get into a theological conversation, their attitude is not one of authoritativeness. They're, they're not uh, speaking down, not, not speaking as though they're the man's authority. They're simply expressing what they, um, you know, what they see and men don't react to that as though they're acting as their authority. So it seems to me like they're, they're doing something like Priscilla did, but also being careful not to, um, not to cross those lines of disrespect. So I don't know. Uh, Hugo says, uh, I respect any sister's feeling they should apply this to the secular setting. However, to make a law out of it for the secular, I would feel I would be stretching it. Well, it all depends, right? If, if the context is the church gathered, then yes. If this is how he wants women everywhere to behave, then we all have to abide by that. So it's not our choice uh, to decide how we're going to apply it in that sense if he means everyone. So that's why it's so crucial. What's the context? What's really, uh, really going on here? Um, 
looking at a couple other here. Lon says, oh, you guys are talking. Uh, Gabriel says, hi, why do you think Priscilla's name is mentioned before Aquila? Some claim, claim she was a leader. Yeah, um, it's listed both ways in the New Testament. You cannot uh, draw a conclusion from that. I don't know why, but um, I certainly would not base anything on that. That's uh, uh, If you want to find something, you can find it. You can make the scripture say whatever you want to, but to simply argue that, is uh, well, you have to make a lot of assumptions there. So I don't know. I don't know why she's mentioned there sometimes first, but uh, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, they go back and forth in the book of Acts as well. Um, so, all right, time is up. Thanks for your time. Appreciate uh, your comments. Feel free to make more in the comment section and we will come back and uh, look at the next verse here uh, tomorrow, Lord willing. Have a great day. We'll see you.